Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast, and joining us today it is Max Raymond of District On Deck. We've got a whole lot of things to talk about today on the show, but first, as always, here is our intro video. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, once again, everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast, and joining us today, it is Max Raymond of District On Deck. Max, how has your holiday season been, my friend? It's been good. Uh, Boring without any baseball news whatsoever, but besides that, it's been good. You know, good to see family and stuff. What about you? How's everything been on your end? Good. I I just saw, so I mentioned this off the top. I just saw the new Spider-Man movie. Um, so good. And I, I, you, so, I was, you saw it the day it came out, I think, right? Correct? I saw it opening weekend. But yeah, um, I wanted to go the day of, and then it was just like so packed. So I went the day, like that Friday, I think. Yeah. I went for like a 2 p.m. showing, and that was perfect because it wasn't that packed. You don't have a lot of people making a lot of noise when certain scenes happen. You know, I was able to actually like right. enjoy it, elbow room. Yeah, I was the same same thing today for me, and and I was able to go. I went with my girlfriend. It was a nice experience. Still a lot of people in the theater. I mean, this this movie has done over a billion dollars at the box mm-hmm. office, which is, I mean, I, I don't know how where it, where it puts that movie all time in the in the grossing rankings. Got to be pretty high, right? You, you'd think it, it's going to be pretty high, but uh, fun movie. I enjoyed it. It was a whole lot of like getting the band back together. I'm not sure where you come down. Who is your favorite Spider-Man? I'm a Tobey Maguire guy. I'm a Tobey Maguire guy through and through. I'm Tobey Maguire also. I mean, I grew up with him. Uh, right. I was, what, seven or eight when the first one came out in 2002? So, I mean, I grew up with Tobey, and uh, it was so good to see Alfred Molina, uh, Doc Ock back, and uh, right. good old Green Goblin, even the Sandman. Oh, right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. I, 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 had, a, I had a good experience. It was... It's funny. It was light. It was it was good. It was it was nice. If you're a baseball fan, it was also a Spider-Man fan. This is a great way to spend two and a half hours. Uh, if you're lamenting baseball not being around, this is a great way to go take your mind off it, right? I, I would say that this this is the kind of stuff that we have to cling to, Max, because this is positivity. And right now, baseball mm-hmm. is not giving us as much positivity as as we'd like. Nah, it's the opposite. I looked it up. It's the 21st highest grossing movie of all time. But mm. since COVID, it's the number one grossing movie. So if you take that into consideration. I think, yeah, yeah, definitely right. That, that definitely does impact it. Uh, and look, I'll be honest. I wore my mask in the theater. Didn't, didn't bother me at all. Totally fine. Enjoyed it. Uh, still a lot of fun. All right. So um, where are you on the mental tracker with, um, with baseball returning? And how do you feel about, you know, kind of this log that's happening and, and no news. Where are you on the, on the hopefulness meter on the mental health meter with baseball as, as far as baseball is concerned, where are we with all those things? Well, I mean, when it was reported that early in December, the two sides met and then they agreed that they weren't going to talk till January. I mean, part of that's because of holidays and stuff like that. But the other right. part, I'm like, you're really going to wait an entire month before discussions. This does not bode well at all. You're just like, 
putting it on the back burner, hoping people will change their minds, which you're not going to. Both sides are so stubborn, and that does not help me. And I'm like, once they start talking, I would be surprised if it's like an hour, a day, 30 minutes here, and they're just like, you agree yet? No. What about you? No. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. And I, I was telling you a few times ago when I was on the show, I don't expect the season to start to like June at the earliest. <laughs> right. right. Like, you, you, no, you're not, feel, you're no, not feeling positive. Not at all. I don't have any math to back that up. Like why I choose June. I just think it would take a few extra mo- uh, months to get any traction. Yeah. There's such a mixture of people who, you know, who are coming from this from different angles. A lot of people think, Hey, um, they're going to get something done. We're not going to miss any time. I'd love to be in that boat. I really would love to be in that boat. I, I wish I was. I'm starting to trend towards you. And I think I told you this, but I've got a couple of things I'm tracking. Number one, we're technically on day, let's just say 29, right? It started on December 1st. The freeze did in technicality that night. And now it's December 30th as we're recording this. So let's just say day 29. Pitchers and catchers reporting uh, is 45 days away. So that number is going to meet in the middle in about, uh, just doing quick math, in probably like eight days, seven or eight days, right? That number is going to shift. That is, if I don't hear anything positive at that point, that's when my concern level began to get raised. If the number of days in the lockout exceeds the number of days till pitchers and catchers reporting, I think that's a a fair point for baseball fans to begin to get. And now, look, I, I think a healthy dose of skepticism is fair right now. But to me, I think once those days cross paths and the number of days till spring training, uh, till pitchers and catchers report is smaller than the number of days of the lockout, do you think that's a fair point of concern? Yeah, I think it's fair, um, especially with how it's shown in the past and how both sides act. And you got to give them a little bit of time to stop being stubborn because I, I'm using – what was it, 2020 as an example, when the two sides were trying to agree on what type of season they were going to have. And we saw how bad it was then. So I think this is a pretty good timetable to compare it to and to make a decision when to start blasting that red light. Yeah, and so I think, once again, cautious optimism of the those of you out there who are optimists and then for those of you like max and i maybe just kind of a we don't see i, I don't want to rain out anybody's parade though if people are optimistic out there go be optimistic it's just hard for us people who cover baseball on a daily basis after watching what happened in 2020 right they had a chance to bring back baseball a lot earlier than you know than, than they did mm-hmm. just because of the nature of the game of baseball it's an outdoor game um you know, clubhouse exposure is one thing, but a lot of the COVID cases that we saw weren't necessarily coming from player to player contact, right? It was excursions to places players probably should not have been at certain points in time. And so, uh, you know, that going back to that point in time and thinking, man, they really could have gotten this thing together a lot faster and didn't, you know, why should we have more hope now? I, I know there's no COVID to deal with, but still, these two sides just feel so far apart. I wonder if, I mean, I'm probably wrong, but I wonder if the three sports leagues that are currently going, like uh, NFL, NHL, and NBA, dealing with all the COVID in North America has anything to do with this. Like, I wonder if they're seeing this adding on to the extra stuff mm. they want to discussion. 
to discuss. And if that's the case, it's going to make discussions even longer than it's already going to be. I, I don't know if this is going to be a great point. What, what do the COVID protocols look like in 2022? Right. I, mm-hmm. I mean, with everything changing right now, what does that look like? Um, and the problem is, is that they need to set some, some rules in there so they can be flexible if stuff changes, right? We've seen the NBA right now be very flexible with their COVID policies. The one thing that we know the MLBPA and MLB um, is is not is flexible, right? We know the league is not flexible. We know the Players Association typically not flexible either. That's a big question here is, is can they be flexible? And I think it's a great point, Max, with the, with the COVID protocols and whatnot. Um, all right, quick word here from our sponsors before we get to some more baseball items. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to Built.com today. That's Built.com to order your Built Bars. As we head towards 2022, a lot of people out there are making their New Year's resolutions, and Built Bar should be a part of that. It's a great-tasting protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, better for you than a candy bar. Most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. If you go to built.com today, once again, that's built.com. Use that promo code locked on, L O C, excuse me, locked 15, L O C K E D 1 5, locked 15. You'll receive 15% off your next purchase today, once again, at built.com. All right, Max. So we got some news yesterday that was very interesting is that uh, Kyle Seeger, the brother mm-hmm. of Corey Seeger, announced that he is going to be retiring from baseball. 34 years old, 11 years with Seattle. Funny enough, he released it via his wife's Instagram page, I believe. Just kind of goes to show you what kind of guy Kyle Seeger is. Obviously a very private individual with, with this in mind. So, you know, the, the uh, I think that's very uh, – that's something that probably feels like it's part of the deal, right? It's not somebody who's out here for attention, right? Not somebody who wants to remain relevant, uh, just somebody who's very cognizant, I guess, of his own career. But, you know, we're being cognizant of his career as well. This guy is coming off one of the best seasons that he has ever had. Uh, and, you know, for him in 2021, uh, well, best seasons. Production-wise, he was really – he really did a great job producing. Batting average wasn't there, right? But the production, in terms of 35 home runs and 101 uh, runs driven in – both of those are career high numbers, despite the batting average of 212. So, um, guy obviously still could be a very productive player, and also 212 is not what we're used to seeing from Kyle Seager. So I think it's reasonable to think that hey, next season things could jump up. But what were your thoughts for a guy who played 159 games and was relatively productive back in uh, 2021? I'll surprise because I didn't really follow the way he left the Mariners that much, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the way it went down was they let him go because they didn't want to pay his option, which was close to 20 mil, maybe over 20 yes. mil. And I assumed why. he was going to hit free agency market because I remember him. I remember he said goodbye to Seattle and everything, but when he said goodbye, he never made it sound like he was retiring. It just made it sound like he knew he wasn't coming back to the Mariners. And I was, I always just saw Seager as you have all the top, bats and field bats right and i always saw once they go he'd be like one of the top guys to got mm-hmm. go after like you miss everyone else you have a guy coming after 35 home run season who and if the dh comes to the nl next year like we are all expecting 
he would be a prime DH candidate for the NL, another guy in the AL that you could have to rack in 100 RBIs. So I was very caught off guard by this. And then I saw a funny tweet today comparing he and Buster Posey because both dudes retired out of nowhere coming off of monster seasons. So good for them retiring on top. Yeah, um, I, I'm shocked, but good for him. He knows what he's doing. And now we'll see if uh, the other Seeger, his brother, can keep the family name going. I, I think he will. And here's a statement from his wife's Instagram. It says, quote, thank you to all of my family, friends, and fans for following me throughout my career. It's been a wonderful ride, but I'm unbelievably excited the next chapter of my life, end quote. Um, and this is from the Mariners. Uh, they talk, They had a statement that was released yesterday, a nice little picture also of his family, which kind of gives you some context as well. He's got a family man, three kids, and, and a wife too. It says, Dear Kyle, congratulations to you and your family on your retirement. Thank you for everything you have done for our team, our fans, and our city. As one of the best to ever put on a Mariners uniform, your passion and uh, an example of what it means to be a professional will echo throughout the organization for years to come. Your impact went beyond the diamond as you were a leader in the clubhouse and a pillar of our community forever Mariner hashtag. Thanks 15. Um, yeah. So this is a guy, I, I mean, he's, he's really there. Ryan Zerman, like they're modern day Ryan Zerman, right? This is a guy who's there for 11 years, played third base, um, you know, had some really productive seasons and uh, Zim gets the title. Right. But, but this is still a situation where, Look, you know, I, I think a lot of Mariners fans are going to have a tough time imagining Seattle as a team, as an organization, or whatever, you know, without him. And it feels like at some point in time, maybe a, a reuniting in some way, shape, or form is there. But also the potential to coach. I think this guy is going to enjoy his time as a family man, right? 11 years on the road can pre- present some kinds of challenges to you and your family. I think the first thing's first. He probably wants to enjoy that family. Uh, but after that, I mean, this seems like somebody who's really well respected by everybody, you know, in baseball and, and obviously in Seattle. So uh, if he tries to get into coaching, I, I think good things will be said. But yeah, I, I think that avenue is, is there as well, Max. Yeah, I mean, he, he'd make a good coach because by the end of his career, like it was his, his production this year was a little bit of a surprise, right? And over the last few years, he's been more of a veteran mentor at this point in his career, helping the young guys helping the Kyle Lewis's and the um, Jared Kalenic. Kalenic, yeah, Kalenic. Kalenics yeah. and those type of guys, right? And that's a perfect guy to pick his brain because he he's one of the la- uh, last people left that was an active member back when King Felix was pitching. So, like, that's yeah. how long he's been on the team. So, yeah, I think he would ease well into a coaching position, especially for a team that doesn't have a lot of money on the books, has a lot of top prospects coming up and should be good for a long time and he was a veteran leader and they respected him and it would be great for him to move in maybe assistant hitting coach something yeah. like that to get his uh job started definitely makes you think about zim right and i, mm-hmm. I think you can't help but think about zerman with, with that with this now not that kyle seager's decision has any impact on ryan i think we all know that you know these are two separate individuals it makes you think, you know, uh, what is next uh, for Ryan? And um, I think he's waiting out this thing, you know, this this situation. And I, I think, you know, if I was him, man, and 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 this thing, this kind of gets back to our lockout conversation. Like, if the lockout drags on, I'm out. If I'm him, I am abs. I'm like, I'm like, hell no, I am not waiting around for you guys. 
I'm going to go enjoy my family and I'm going to ride off in the sunset. Hey, if in three months I get the itch, I'll tell the Nats I want to come back and play. But I'm not going to put up with any of this, this nonsense right now. So I think, you know, do you think maybe that the uncertainty of, of this offseason and when free agency was going to resume had something to do with Kyle Seager's decision? Do you, do you think it could have, Max? It's obviously, we don't know him personally. It wouldn't surprise me, especially the way how I said earlier, he when he, he gave his initial goodbye to Seattle, it didn't really sound like he was retiring. So maybe mm-hmm. that did pay right. a major part into it. It's a, it's a very good point. That's a good point. It did not sound like he was done, but obviously what we know now, uh, you know, he is, he is done. And I, I think that there's a good possibility this stuff kind of plays into it. All right. One more quick break. And we've got some uh, looks at some international prospects, the Nationals to potentially sign. And also two guys, their favorites to land right now in the international pool. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. They've got football, basketball, baseball, NHL, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games as well. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available still for the rest of the 2021 seasons and into 2022. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N Locked On. You'll receive a 50% deposit bonus with that promo code when you sign up today. Bet online. It is where the game starts. All right, Max. So you brought this to my attention. And uh, what day did you say again? What's is the international signing period draft thing? Whatever the hell they call it now. It's a sign period for now. It's January 15th, but I wouldn't be surprised as part of the new CBA if they turn it into a draft. Because mm. right now, each team gets a certain amount of money. And you'll see sometimes when players get traded and you hear they got um, cash considerations or international spending money, it goes to this, right? It goes to this. And so some teams have an advantage over others. I wouldn't be surprised in the future if they do turn into a draft because yeah. I mean, that's how some of the top players right now came from this. Juan Soto, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., Tatis, Aloy Jimenez, they're all international pro- uh, prospects. Yeah, and so, you know, I guess while it's not a draft right now, the nice thing that's happening is is it allows the teams like the Nationals to be in on a couple guys in the top 10, right? Because normally mm-hmm. it's tough to be on it's tough to be in on two guys who are in the top 10 of everything, right? Of anything at all. Um, it'll also be interesting if they integrated this into the Major League Baseball draft. But I'm not sure if that would actually how that would work at all. Yeah, I don't know if the uh, season, like their yeah. individual seasons, would match up. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what I say. I, I don't know if their seasons would match up, and also the development too, because a lot of these kids are what 17, so it's important mm-hmm. you get that time to see them whenever yeah. their seasons are. Uh, qu- a quick couple guys here. So Christian Vaccaro is an outfielder out of Havana, Cuba, uh, 6'3", 185. The Nationals are currently the favorites to sign him. This according to uh, MLB.com, their prospects, their pipeline thing. So it's hard to handicap guys like this, right? It, it's hard to kind of look at these guys. But uh, uh, Vaccaro and also um, also Anthony Gutierrez from the DR, who is a 6'3", 190-pound 190 uh, pound outfielder as well. Targeting a couple outfielders, and we know this is a place the Nationals do need some help, right? There is uncertainty as far as it goes for the future of the Nationals outfield. Now, we probably wouldn't see these guys for years if they signed them, but hey, having some nice backup down the line in in the uh, form of a couple tall, lanky, athletic-looking outfielders could be good. 
So one thing I'd like to point out is Vaquero has already been seen multiple times wearing full Nats gear and practicing with the players. So mm. while it's not a given, it's pretty much it's pretty much a lock. It's, going, it's, it's semantics yeah. at this point. Yes, he's the number two prospect per MLB pipeline on when they ranked them. Uh, and the way I, I think you know this, but the way they rank prospects attributes, they give it on a twenty to eighty scale, right? Yep. And just looking at him right now, they gave him a fifty-five hit tool, sixty power, fifty-five run, fifty-five arm, fifty-five fielding, and then in the first sentence they write a potential five-tool player. And yes, you hear five tool be said all the time now doesn't mean as much as it used to because victor robles was a five tool player and he's yet to live up to that potential but when you have stats like this and it's exciting right especially when you're in a lockout you have nothing to get excited about your team's in a rebuild and you can only get excited about prospects it's being excited it's fine to get excited about more um nationals prospects the team might be able to sign right so for Nationals fans, they should be very happy if this goes if this follows through and they our team is able to get their hands on uh, Vaquero. Yeah, this is a guy who you know is is once again potential five tool player, seventeen years old. So we don't know what that, what that looks like yet, but the the potential has got to be something that Nats fans are salivating over. And also, we you know more. I mean, if you get more than one of these guys, and Anthony Gutierrez, six three one ninety, kind of a similar build. He's got a sixty hit tool, a fifty. Power 55 run, 50 arm, field 50, overall 55 is kind of approaching the same area as well as our man Vaquero is. Um, these just are too a- exciting. And they're also bigger. You know, 6'3 is not like tiny, like it's not small. So these are two bigger outfielding prospects. And guys have displayed a good amount of speed too. So I think that they're both something to get excited about. And um, I don't know. Like you mentioned, the Vaquero thing, like that sounds a bit more of a sure deal. I don't know about Gutierrez's situation. It could be a sure deal as well, but um, I think it's safe to feel like one of, at least one of these guys is going to be a Nat, right? Yes. Uh, I'd be shocked if one of them isn't. And I guess the <laughs> only way one of them isn't is if at the last second they implement a draft. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah something changes, right? Or the money's not there, but it, it feels mm-hmm. like the Nats might have the cash in terms of the international and spending. Speaking of that, a bunch of Nats fans wanted the team before the lockout to go out and sign these big name players attached to a qualifying offer, right? Well, besides when you sign a player qualifying offer and you lose a draft pick, you also lose international spending money, which yep. affects this. So that not everyone's been paying attention to that. So while you want, you can't have your team sign big names and get the big name international prospects. It's one or the other. And the Nats are going the international route, which for now makes sense. Build up the farm. It's also a little bit cheaper too. I mean, mm-hmm. I know this, I know the signing bonus money is usually a bit more right to, to sign these kids, but oh, you know, you talk about the qualifying offer thing, like, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to cost you, right? It's it, especially yeah. major league ready guys. They're going to cost you. Those mm-hmm. players are absolutely going to cost you. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you on this. Uh, I, I think it's a cheaper way to build your team. And, look, you're not building for now, but these guys are good options down the line. And so they're exciting options, good options. And the Nationals, I don't know when these, I don't know when Brady House will be there. I don't know when any of these guys will be there. They, they bring these guys up. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something. This is depth, and depth is a good word because it's more than one guy. Mm-hmm. It's the Nationals. They have not had this in the past. Not just that, the only depth they have right now is pitching. Or yeah, it's pitching, right? And neither of these guys are pitching, so that helps. Uh you you got Brady House, right? But besides him, 
there's no big name prospects in our farm system that people have been hyping up and yelling their names, right? And this helps that. You have some guys to look forward to with immense potential to right. down the line. Being- yeah, outside of pitching, there's not mm-hmm. a whole – I mean, there's not a whole lot there. You mentioned Brady House, but Cavalli and Rutledge are pitchers, as you mentioned before. Uh, and, Armando um, Cruz, 17 years old. So, like, you know, when's he going to come Cole, up? And Cole Henry's Go- another pitcher. Go enters another pitch. I mean, they've they've got a bunch of arms, which is good, but they do need to load up a bit more on the uh, you know on the fielding side of things. Yeah, I agree. Especially the outfield. And I know this doesn't help us for another four to five years, but you don't want to be in what you're in now, right? You thought you had your outfield set up, right? You had you thought you had your Soto and your uh, Robles, and I forgot who. I guess Harper, and that doesn't you let Harper walk. Robles doesn't live up to his potential, and now you're left with Soto, and you're left with a bunch of other guys. Stevenson, and Stevenson Lane, Lane and Thomas, he just Lane, traded for Lane Thomas and Yadio Hernandez, right? You find you have a bunch of guys fine for positions that might not start in other teams. You don't want to be in that position down the line, so load up, load up the outfield. Yeah. Uh, all right, Max, what are you working on right now, and where can people find your work? Well, um, our Phillies site gave us this idea, and they started ranking the top five players at each position in Philly's history. But for them, a lot of the players are players that are already retired for us only being a team since 2005. <laughs> most of the fans are going to be very familiar with the names. Some of right. them are going right. to be still playing and we're starting with starting pitching. That should be up tonight or tomorrow. Awesome. Max Raymond from district on deck. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks man. Good to see you.